Let's get into the word. You ready for the word today? Let's get into the word. Pastor Ronnie's bringing the word this morning. Well, good morning, Spring House. Is that all you got? <laughs> Never. I, I, uh, the last few days, I've been kind <clears> of <throat> uh, dealing with some gunk. So uh, I, I, I have this big green thing in case I need to drink water, and I probably will. And then this is my emergency kit. Uh, now, here's the thing. Should I need to go to that emergency kit? Uh, what that means is it's time for you to meditate <laughs> on what God is saying to you. So just keep that in mind. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the two sons, the parable of the two sons, not those two sons, uh, uh, the more famous parable. This one's a little bit shorter, but it's got some good stuff in it. And so let's stand together and read it, shall we? What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Wow. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life and the power that are in your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be active in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It kind of gets a little seemingly off track here. He's talking about John, John John the Baptist. Why is is he talking about that? well, it's because this, this parable that Jesus told is not just a standalone thing. It was prompted by something. Jesus occasionally did things that upset people. Now, I don't know if you've ever done anything that upset people. I, I do things occasionally that upset people, and I tend to enjoy it. But Jesus, Jesus would do things that would upset people at times, and probably the thing that he did that upset the most people the very most was he cleansed the temple. He drove the money changers out of the temple, over, overturned their tables and, and disrupted the business, of the, temp- the business of the temple that was going on there. And after he did this, the, the Jews came up to him and said, by what authority did you do this? I mean, you have done something that is sacrilegious. You've done something that is uh, against our nation, it's uh, it, it's uh, politically turning against our nation because this is the heart and soul of our nation right here, and, and you've you've disrupted the whole thing. Who gave you the authority to do this? And Jesus said, "Well, I'm going to ask you a question, and if you'll answer the question, then I'll answer your question." 
John's baptism, did it come from God or was it from man? And they got together and they went, whoa, that's, that's a hard question. Because if we say it's from God, he's going to say, well, why didn't you believe him? But if we say it was from man, there's a lot of people here who really think John was from God, and we're not going to be very popular if we say that. So they went to Jesus and they said, uh, we can't answer your question. And Jesus said, well, I'm not going to answer your question either. <laughs> and that makes sense because, you know, if they would not acknowledge that John's baptism or John's teaching came from God, then they weren't going to acknowledge Jesus if he said, well, mine came from God either. But Jesus said, I am going to tell you a parable. What do you think? And so uh, that's, that's what prompted the telling of this, of this parable. And I got five, five little things quickly that I want to go with. And the first one uh, is this. It's a question. It's actually a question for you since we're asking questions. By what authority are you doing these things? By what authority are you living your life the way you're living your life? By, by what authority are you making the decisions that you make in your life? To, to Both the big decisions and, and the small decisions. What, what authority? If the authority that, that you're making those decisions on is, is based on, well, I, I think it's a good idea. I just, I'm just doing my best. Well, I need to disabuse you of the notion that your best is good enough because it's not. Yeah. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're going through life making these decisions and doing these things because you think it's a good idea, then you're missing the whole point. You're supposed to be doing it based on the fact that God is telling you to do stuff. So I, I, don't know, I, I don't know if God and I got that going on quite just now. Well, you can. He speaks to you. Uh, Jesus said over in John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's about the Bible. He's going to help me understand the Bible, right? Well, yeah, he's going to help you understand the Bible, but I don't think they've changed the definition of the word all. And he'll lead you and he'll guide you into all truth. Whenever you got a decision to make, whether it's a big decision or a small decision, you ever just, I don't know, maybe include him? Maybe kind of go, well, what is the most important factor here? The most important factor is always, what's God want? What's God telling me to do? How how great it is, this is the second thing, how great it is to have a word from God. Because when you have a word from God, you can move, you, you can move in confidence and, and because he's always right. He's never, he's never wrong in what he tells you. He's always right. And he's there with you whenever, you, whenever you're moving forward. Uh, we tend to look for results, though. Uh, you know, we kind of go, well, that must not have been God. I didn't see that work out. Well, you just don't know everything, do you? Uh, I remember back in the late 70s, uh, Margaret and I ended up with $300 that I don't remember how, I don't know 
it was three hundred dollars. I don't remember where it came from or why it was extraordinary that we had this three hundred dollars. Maybe somebody gave it to us. I don't know. Maybe it was a tax return. I, you know, I don't know. And you kind of go, well, three hundred bucks—that's not much. Well, it, it, yeah, it was a lot of money <laughs> in the late seventies. It'd probably be about twenty-five hundred or so right now, if accounting for inflation, and. Uh, so we had this 300 bucks. We go, uh, and we both felt like we're not supposed to keep this. We're supposed to give this to somebody. And so we thought, who are we going to give it to? And we thought, ah, there was this newlywed couple that we knew. And we thought, they can use that money. I mean, they're newlyweds, right? They, they can use that money. So we, we got three $100 bills and put them in an envelope and we went over to their apartment and we stuck while they were gone and, and we put it in their door and drove off. Went, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, we saw that couple a little bit later in, in, in the week. We were in a group together. And, you know, I was kind of expecting to hear, praise God, someone left $300 in our door. It was just what we needed. Oh, such an answer to prayer. What I actually heard was, somebody gave us $300. We don't know what to do with it. You know, what what are we supposed to do with this $300? And you know, there would be a tendency in the natural to go, oh, we blew it. We missed it. I don't know if we blew it. In fact, we didn't because God told us to give it away and we gave it away. And, you know, and I don't know what the end result of that will be. I mean, maybe they know somebody who needs $300 that we don't know, and they're going to give it to them. And so it gets there that way. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they're supposed to pray about it, and this is a lesson for them to get together and, and, and pray together. And so God wants to teach them that. Or maybe none of the above. All I know is we did what God said to do, and that's a never a losing proposition. It says over in Corinthians that everything we do for the Lord, nothing of it is ever in vain. Whatever we do for the Lord. How great it is to have a word from God. These boys had a clear word of instruction. Go work in the vineyard today. How much clearer could it be? The psalmist says what it, concerning a word from God, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. A word from God is, is more precious than a, a stock tip from Warren Buffett. It's more precious than well, I- any tip you're going to get on the, on the sports talk shows telling you who to bet on. Right, Justin? Yeah. Amen. The over, the under. What is the, what is the surefire thing this way? Now, don't pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. A word from the Lord is like somebody coming and going, here's some gold. And it's sweet, sweet. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Ooh, ooh. Do it again, Jesus. Yeah. A word. It's a precious, it's a great thing to have. Well, how do you hear a word from God? Well, I'm going to tell you a couple of ways and then I'll... Uh, I'm also going to tell you one way that I don't think you should or really would. And the first way is easy. It's, it's the Bible. You know, you get the Bible and, and you read it. 
What a concept. Read it every day. And, and, you know, I don't care what form it comes in. You know, if you if you got to have that tactile uh, um, thing of turning pages and, and holding it in your lap, that's great. I mean, you're old school. That's old school. That's good. You know, if you're like me and you want, you want uh, 20 versions of it in your hip pocket, and you can bring it out at any time. That's great, too. But you just you just read it and God will speak to you. My friend, uh, James Ryle, uh, I say my friend, he still is, but he's not with us anymore. He died about eight years ago. And uh, uh, James pastored a church in Boulder, Colorado for almost 20 years. And it was the church that the Promise Keepers movement uh, came out of. But he and his, he and his wife, Belinda, moved to, uh, moved to the Nashville area uh, probably 20, some 20 years ago, uh, probably more than that. And, and anyway, I had the privilege of, of meeting him and getting to know him. He spoke a few times at the church. We uh, had, uh, had lunch together a few times, played some golf together. I beat him once. Uh, and uh, he... But I asked him one day, I said, James, how'd you end up in Nashville? He said, well, let me tell you, this is what I, this is what I do. We knew that God was telling us to leave Boulder. And we didn't quite know where we were supposed to go. But we had, we had three cities that, uh, where doors seemed to be opened. Uh, Nashville was one of them. Tulsa was one of them. Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, Dallas, Texas. And... When I've got something like that, I'll ask God. I go, God, where should I read in the Bible? And then he'll tell me where to go read, and I'll just, I'll, I'll take it word for word. I'll, sit, I'll take a whole day if I need to, to just sit down and, and read that book, read that passage. And he told me Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a pretty long book. But he said, I got, I got, got my Bible out. He, he was a, a pages kind of, well, this may have been before digital, I don't know. But anyway, he said, I was sitting in my, in my living room in front of the picture window looking out at the beautiful Rocky Mountains in, uh, in front of us, and I was prepared to spend the whole day, part of the next day if I needed to, to go Deuteronomy and then read every single word. said, I got six verses in. And I read this, the Lord, our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain, break camp and advance into the hill country, the Amorites. He said, honey, we're moving to Nashville. (laughs) And that's how they ended up here. Now, God may not speak to you that clearly. I mean, he may not be, it may not be something like that, but he'll speak to you. You know, so, sometimes you'll be, you'll be uh, reading the Word of God and, and it'll be about uh, forgiveness or something. Uh, well, let's just say forgiveness. And you know what? There's just been somebody on your mind for the last few days. And God kind of, boom, connects those two as you're reading. Or maybe it's about uh, reconciliation. And there's somebody that's just been on your mind. And it's kind of, oh, God, are you talking to me about this right now? Yeah, you, you talking to me? And he is. And you know, what, what about the days that he, he, it's not any of those things? Well, when you love somebody and you enjoy being with them, do you always have to have an agenda when you talk? 
Maybe there are just some days he just wants to talk to you. No, let's just, let's just talk. There's not an agenda here today. Let's just chat. And so you, you read, God will speak to you he, uh, uh, of an instruction, just like the father did to these boys. Go work in the vineyard today. And I don't know, you know, maybe you're looking for a job and you read this parable and you go, oh, I'm supposed to go work in a vineyard somewhere. (laughs) One way that we're tempted to get a word from God that I would caution us about is the big show. To be very honest, I'm kind of hesitant because I I don't like to... uh, I don't feel like God would have me criticize other believers, and I'm not trying to do that. I'm, I'm just throwing out a word of caution here. You know, we, we're drawn, we want to see the floor show. You know, we're drawn toward, man, that's, that's entertainment. But the Word of God is not the amazing Kreskin. You know, I mean, when uh, I, I, I've, been in, I've been in services, you know, where it's kind of like, oh, wait a minute. Somebody, somebody here has a bad back, and they're wearing a blue tie. Is anybody here in a blue tie who's got a bad back? Boy, they'd be in trouble in this church because nobody wears a tie in this church. But, you know, they got a blue Oh, it's, it's me. I got a, oh, I got a bad back, and I got a blue tie on. He must be talking to me. Yeah. And then, you know, and then they come forward. Well, does, do the numbers 618 mean anything to you? Oh, that's where I live. That's where I live. Oh, God is talking to me right now. You, you know who else knows where you live? Yes. Familiar spirits. They know where you live. They know what color tie you're wearing today. They know what, what drawer you keep your socks in and what your uncle Oliver's middle name was. I mean, you know, they, they can kind of do that stuff. God... God isn't about putting on a show. If God's going to put on a show, fire's going to fall from heaven and consume the altar and everything on it. That's how God puts on a show. So I would just be very cautious. You know, and and in Scripture, if there's a reveal, if there's a one-on-one reveal that God has for somebody, a word of knowledge, usually it's one-on-one. When Nathan came to David to confront him about the situation with Bathsheba and Uriah, it was just David and Nathan. When Jesus talked to the woman at the well and said, uh, yeah, the truth is, uh, you've had five husbands and the one you got right now is not your husband. You're just shacking up. It was one on one. Just the two of them. It wasn't, wasn't. For a show. Uh, but another way that you, that you can hear from God uh, is directly from the Holy Spirit. Uh, it used to bother me that people would hear things in uh, sermons that I would bring that I didn't say. Uh, I would, I mean, people would come up all the time and, uh, and maybe they're talking about last week or maybe they're talking about six months ago, but they'd go, you know, when you said, Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but it really hit me, and you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, I didn't say that. <laughs> and then I realized they're listening to somebody else while I'm speaking. 
And in fact, they're supposed to be listening to somebody else while I'm speaking. If the only voice you're listening to is the voice of him or her who is on the stage speaking, then you're not listening well enough. Because there's another voice moving through the room who wants to talk to you about things, who, who wants to do some business with you. The other two weeks ago, Pastor Kevin uh, brought a challenge to us. He says, I give, I've got homework for you to do. I want you to, I want you to, Find out from God what it is he wants you to do. Some, something radical, something big, something, something just beyond what you would normally do. I want you to find out from him what it is that you want. And some of you already know what it is. And then last week we found out he was talking to Justin. <laughs> because Justin knew. J Justin heard the Lord say, your truck Kevin didn't say anything about a truck. The Holy Spirit did. And when you're, when you're, and when you're listening, uh, that's who you really need to be listening to. Now, God's not going to tell you to do something immoral. He's not going to tell you to do, do, do something evil. But oftentimes, he's just going to say, go work in the vineyard today. And that can take on... That can take on all kinds of different connotations, and, and you'll know what it is. Because it's probably not, go cut some grapes down. It's probably go do some business. It's probably go show some love. It, it's, it's probably, that's what working in the vineyard is. It's probably go share the good news. Well, why don't we obey when we receive a word from God? Well, there are a couple of reasons, uh, and probably the main one, the one that jumps uh, immediately to mind is we don't want to do it. I mean, let's just be honest. You know, we, we don't want to do it. And, and you may wonder, have you ever wondered why? Seems like every time God tells me to do something, it's something that I don't want to do. You ever wondered that? Well, well that's easy to explain. He doesn't have to tell you to do the stuff you want to do. I mean, you may have to tell your teenager to take out the trash. You don't have to tell your teenager to go to the ball game or, or to go, go to the party. That's something they already want to do, you know. And God, it's the same way with that. He, he doesn't have to tell you, hey, go buy some, go buy some Titans tickets. Well, I don't know. This year, it might, he might have to tell you to do that. But, I mean, you know, go, <laughs> go buy some PSLs when they build a new stadium. Right. You know, right. Well, I know somebody's thinking about it already. Uh, now, I'm not saying, now, he may have to tell you don't buy them. But he's not going to have to tell you to buy them because you're not going to buy them unless you want to already. And he may want you to. I'm not saying he does or he doesn't. You may buy those PSLs and then that Sunday that, that, uh, that you're, uh, you wouldn't go on Sunday anyway. It'd probably be a, a Monday night game or something. Uh, 
that that time that that uh, your yet your wife can't go or your daughter or your son can't go, you, you invite this person from work that you need some reconciliation with, and God's going to bring about some healing at a ball game. He can do that. Or it may be somebody who needs to come to the Lord, and they're going to go, well, you know, uh, you invited me to the ball game, and I, and I went, I guess I'll go to church with you too. But I'm just saying, he doesn't have to tell us to do this stuff. And let me, let me tell you this, his word is never bad. It's never bad. He is faithful forever, and I love that song because I love that phrase, perfect in love. Perfect in love. <clears throat> Every, I, maybe you're supposed to think about that for a minute. I got to get some. Everything he tells us is right. It may be hard. In fact, it often is hard. Worthwhile things are usually hard. You know, if you're if you're uh, if, if you're an athlete and you're on a team and and you wanna you wanna win a championship, that's why you're out there playing. You wanna win a championship. Uh, it's hard. Let me just tell you, you know, Super Bowls don't just fall in your lap. You got to work. Um, probably three sixty five. Uh, World Series don't just fall in your lap. You got to work. If you want a good marriage. You got to work. It's worth it. Worthwhile things can be hard. <coughs> Justin didn't want to give away a strap. He was the son who said, No, I won't do it. And he went, Okay, I'm going to go to work. I'll go and do it. And, and it's not always something that big. You know, sometimes it's something kind of small. Uh, I, I remember Bruce Coble sharing one time. In fact, this was a long, long time ago uh, because I remember him sharing it in, in the garage of his house. So this would have been like late 70s, early 80s. He had, he had gone to the grocery store and they uh, at, at checkout, they didn't charge him for something. And when they didn't charge him for something, he, he, he saw it, but he kind of let it pass. Because, I mean, let, let's face it, they overcharge us most of the time. So, you know, I, I deserve one. And so he kind of let it pass, and, and he got all the way out to the car. Okay. For going back and going, look, uh, you, you didn't charge me for this. I, I need to. I need to pay for that. And the reason, the reason why he went back in is because he knew if he drove home, he'd have to drive all the way back before he'd go in and, and do it. Kind of go, well, that's, you know, that's just, that's a, that's a small thing. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. Who, who knows? It's not just that $5 or $2 or whatever it was that you had to go back and pay for that item. It's also that cashier going, why did you do that? Why, why would you do that? Well, I just felt the Lord convict me and say, I need to go do it. Really? And then it can grow. It can grow up to bigger things. 
And the fact, you know, and the fact that the obedience was delayed, uh, delayed obedience is, is far better than no obedience. Romans says that God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. And so if there's if there's something that that he has told you to do and you've put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off, the deal is still on. The call is still there. He'll still be with you. He is not only perfect in love, he is faithful forever. But that's that's not the big reason why we don't do what he's told us to do. The big reason is fear. That's the big reason. Kevin has been sharing the last couple of weeks about releasing, a, a, I don't know if he's used this word or not, but I'm getting ready, an avalanche of faith in the body of, of people, you know, moving out and stepping in faith and doing things that, that they normally would not do. Well, it takes faith to obey to overcome our fears. Give away rent? Get, let somebody live rent-free in my, in my house? Get, give away my truck? I, I mean, really? Oh, by the way, it doesn't count if it's just a good idea. But, I mean, if God has told you that, it, it, it takes faith to do that. And you kind of go, wow. But you know what? It also takes faith to go up and talk to that stranger and go, can I pray for you? It also takes faith to reach out, to be reconciled with somebody. And then it takes faith when they reject you to reach out again. And then reach out again. And then reach out again because God didn't say stop. He said keep going. Well, what, if they, what if they don't want to talk to me? What if I ask, can I pray for you? And they go, what am I going to do then? Well, you obeyed God. Yeah. Well, what if they don't, what if they don't want to talk? What if they make fun of me? You wouldn't be the first one. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you, say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. Great is your reward in heaven. Well, what if I need that truck someday, God? I mean, you know, I might, I might need that. This is my backup truck. Well, you know, I might need this thing. I might need it next month. Have you thought about that, God? Yep. And I hope you do need it next month. <laughs> because when you do, God's going to do something. He's going to do something. You know, and there'll be another testimony on top of that, on top of that testimony about, well, I, I did it and I was fearful in doing it, but I did it anyway. And you know what? What I was thought might happen happened. But God still had me. God had me covered. Second Timothy 1 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. 
Well, God doesn't want us to be foolish. I, I mean, seriously, you know, I, I, need, I need to have some reserve. I need, to, 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 I need my emergency fund or, 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 or whatever it is that he's telling me to, uh, to get rid of. And, and he may not be telling you to get rid of emergency fund. I'm sorry. You know, I'm not, I'm not you know, blaspheming uh, Dave Ramsey. Yeah. But I, I'm, just, I'm just saying that he may not want you to do that. But, you know, uh, God doesn't want us to be foolish. Really? You think God doesn't want us to be foolish? Have you read the Bible? Do, do you know what God's people have looked like throughout the ages? First Corinthians says that the foolishness of God is wiser than the world's wisdom. So basically what it's saying, if God tells you to do something foolish, that's a whole lot wiser than anything you can figure out. What God doesn't want us to be is fearful. Once you have a word, do it. It isn't just enough to, to, to hear the word. Jesus, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And when he got through washing their feet, he said, I've set you an example. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed Oh, there's not a period there. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. It's not just about, there are many who know the word, but fewer who do the word. Okay, this is the last thing. This is what I'm in, this is what this whole thing's been building up to. Is your life interesting? And I don't mean, is it a dumpster fire? Uh, you know, I, I don't mean, is it just full of drama? Is it full of juice? Yes. You know, when, how long has it been since you got up in the morning and went, wow, there's another day here. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, come on, God. Let's see what's going to happen today. Let's, let's see what lives you're going to change today. Let's see what you're going to do. Maybe you just want me to walk through this beautiful day and listen to the birds or the rainfall or something. But I, I don't know. Maybe you're going to save my daddy. I, you know, whatever. I'm looking for you today. Maybe you're going to split the sky and come down, touch the earth. I, I love to talk to people who, who, are, who are alive about something. Two weeks ago, Pastor Kevin, uh, in, in sharing about trying to release faith in the body, uh, shared about deciding to give free rent. Uh, to a couple, to the to the Glovers here in the the church, and uh, I, I want to. Uh, there's a few things I I, I want to share about that. I mean, Kevin and I haven't talked about it, but I know these things are true. One of the things that I know is true is I I know that he had misgivings about sharing it because you know there it'd be real easy for people to to spend that and look at it and go, well, you know, all right, he just wants everybody to go, wow, you gave away free rent. Aren't you a great guy? You know, and that wasn't the purpose at all. That's not at all his heart. His heart was, as a leader, he wanted to go, I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not doing. And not only that, let me, let me, let me, let me give you an example of, woo, let's, let's go. Let's go. And that's, you know, leaders sometimes have to do that. Second thing I know is that morning when they woke up, 
I couldn't wait to get to church. He and Sherry both, I'm sure, were just like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, wow, this is going to be so good. We're going to, we're going to, we're doing this. This is great. Because when you obey God, when you do what God has told you to do, there's a buzz. There's a buzz that starts going on. You know, back in the 60s, there were buzzes that I would get from time to time. And those buzzes all went away because those are temporary. But when you obey God, there's a buzz and it's real and, and it matters about. Actually, it was the 70s. Uh, Something else that I know about it is over the next few years, because I know I know Kevin and I say few years. I don't know how long it'll be. I mean, maybe it'll be six months. Maybe it'll be six years. Who knows? Uh, he, he just said, you know, take that rent money and start saving for your own house. Uh, but over the next few years, he's going to forget about it. I mean, it's not something that he's going through the day going, wow, I gave free rent. God. Did you notice that? C.S. Lewis one time was asked, uh, what do you think about being uh, called the apostle to the agnostics? The, the 20th century apostle. And I love his reply. He said, I try not to think about it at all. Because that's what you do. That's what you're supposed to do. So he's going to forget about it. But you know what? God's not going to forget about it. And it'll, 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 it'll be paying dividends, you know, over, over the whole. And, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking, you know, I mean, that may, that may be that too, but it's going to pay dividends in terms of peace and righteousness and, and, and for generations to come. For generations to come. And one other thing I know about it that I don't think actually got shared was that process started when Dustin Glover said yes to something God told him to do. It didn't look like it made any sense, but God told him to do it. See, Dustin had been offered a job down in Florida, big raise in pay. They, you know, winners come in, they were going to live in Florida. They were going to be closer to, to Dustin's kids, closer to, to his family. And, you know, and they'd come to Kevin and gone, you know, we're, I'm sorry, but we're going, we're going to have to leave because we got this. And, and Kevin was going, well, you, you might want to pray about it. And they did. And God said, no, stay. And Dustin said, yes, sir. And not only did he say yes, he did yes. And ever since that time, God's opened up wonderful things because that's what he does when we say yes to God. Your yes isn't just about you. I've always found it blessed to do yes. Every every job change that I've had since I came to the Lord. Uh, and I love this. I really love it. Every, every job change involved a cut in pay and a rise in joy and standard of living. Uh, I mean, God gave me, you got, come on out guys. These guys need some encouragement. They need to know it's close <laughs> to being over. Uh, they, 
God gave me a job, a really good job that I had asked for. And I left that job to take a pay cut and go be a youth pastor at church. Now, that's a real secure position. <laughs> be a youth pastor. And, uh, you know, and at the time we were just we were just making it budget wise. And like I say, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of a drop. You know, never noticed it. Never noticed it. And then when we left there, when I left there to go on a mission field, we had about a, dare I say, 50% drop. God took care of everything. It was, it was just so, it was a blessed time, blessed place to be. And then we left there to come to Smyrna, Tennessee in the late 80s to a church that really couldn't promise that they could pay me anything. God. And it's exciting. And it's not always stuff you don't want to do. I mean, he told me to marry Margaret. I wanted to do that. Five months later, bam. Margaret went home to be with Jesus. He told me to marry Michelle. He didn't have to speak very loudly. I just, all I did, and should I buy some PSLs too? You know? <laughs> and five months later, <laughs> I don't know what it is about five months. There's a, there's, there's a thing there, I think. But, uh, but every move, when God says, if you listen, he will talk to you. And if you will not only say yes, but if you will do yes, life will come alive. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full, more abundantly. So I'm not anywhere close to any of those things. An old Chinese proverb, just because it's Chinese doesn't mean it's wrong. Journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Would you stand with me? With those who are going to pray with people, come forward this morning. and We're, uh, we're going to worship for a few moments. And if you came, if you came needing prayer today, and maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit spoke something to you while you were here, that'd be great. What a concept. More than one person speaking in the room. Or maybe, you, or maybe you brought a need. These brothers and sisters would love to pray with you. We're going to worship for a few moments. We'll wait on you.